Welcome to Leadership in Focus podcast number two. Today's podcast is a special edition called In the Brew Room. It's designed to garner experience and knowledge from a diverse group of junior leaders. In, the, in general, the podcasts are designed to discuss all things leadership and are suitable for all levels. Although the podcast is military focused, the discussing, uh, discussed points are equally relevant to any organisation. The common theme for this and future podcasts will specialise uh, by grabbing guests from throughout Army and discussing issues. Today, I have Sergeant Askew, Lieutenant Vare, Corporal Wise, Sergeant Maxwell, and Warren Officer Cashin. Ladies and gents, uh, thank you for coming along today uh, and being part of the podcast and allowing me to ask some questions about some of the challenges facing junior leaders in modern organisations. I have a few questions uh, and we'll, we'll sort of we'll crack through them pretty quickly. Uh, the first question uh, I'd like to ask is, have you seen or have, how have you seen daily and weekly routines implemented in your organisations during your career? Have they worked or have they been less effective? Uh, yes, sir. So having experienced both sides of this, uh, I interpret this as knowing, um, knowing what's about to occur uh, on a regular basis or what's not, or not knowing what's going to occur. Um, and then to help with this is by formulating training programs to assist with routine in the future. Okay, so as a, as, as a troop sergeant, are you responsible for the development and implementation of those programs and routine? Uh, yes, sir, along with my troop corporals, yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've, I've sort of seen it uh, implemented uh, good and, and bad. Uh, more so uh, a good at the start of the year when it's a sort of fresh uh, fresh year and then uh, sort of during the year it starts to fall aside with um, like our priorities that are like fighting for precedent, especially our premium sort of post uh, a field. Uh, you're always going to get these sort of priorities or tasks or something like that, and normally it's the first things to go is like sort of PT or um, yep. something like that. So, so before I ask a, a Ramey perspective for you guys as Troop Corporal and Troop Sergeant, would it be beneficial, and do you think your soldiers respond better if they had a set-in-place routine that never changes? And although there are some competing priorities between uh, tasks that get driven from um, headquarters... Um, and maybe some self-opposed tasks, but if those same routines, day in, day out, do you think your soldiers would respond to those? Probably uh, a routine, <coughs> excuse me, uh, a routine with a little bit of flexibility alongside it, sir. Okay. I'd have to Was agree, it? and I, I think just sort of the nature of the beast of the Army as a whole, you're never going to get that sort of set-in-stone program that's going to, you're going to have day in, day out, so I think the answer's all. The question sort of answers itself. It's, it's. I think it's an impossibility almost. Okay. To get that. Your training programs are they up on your notice boards, or are they something that gets articulated during knockoff, or both? Um, my troops are up on my troop notice board too. Yeah. And they're two weeks in advance. A bit of both and change pretty much last minute. Okay. So um yeah so I've I see generally um weekly programs that are generally released sort of the Thursday before, which covers the week following. Um, they drill down to everything from physical training, who's running the physical training in the mornings up until 
uh, an AM, PM sort of, sort of daily breakdown. Also in those programs, you know, it covers any upcoming task orders for the week that and the particular trips to task required. Um, it's good because it gives everyone sort of an idea of what's happening for the week so they can be prepared for any anything that's going to happen. So C-Squad and 2 have separated from the rest of the regiment, uh, so physically dislocated uh, within Townsville, or Lavrak bar Barracks in particular. Does that provide any further challenges or there's a program on the wall plus verbal get you across the line? Uh, generally, sir, it's it's there's a program on the wall. It's rele released down to the um, from the diggers all the way to the the OC and the to IC. They're all aware of it. Um, the the biggest challenges of our physical dislocation is sometimes things that come out word of mouth around the regiment don't make it to C Squadron in a quick sort of fashion. So sometimes last-minute tasks do override any training programs or weekly programs that we do have implemented but uh, we remain flexible at most times to do anything like that. So if I was to ask what would be your recommendation or something you would fix about training programs or routines what would they be? Um, oh, that's a hard one so at the moment I think the current structure in which we have in A Squadron 2 Cove is working. Um, not knowing what's coming down from uh, Reggie Ops is pretty much our curveball on a regular basis because it's um, probably notice of higher uh, regimental ops tasks would benefit us, but sometimes we don't have that luxury and we've got to fulfil it at short notice. So. All right. Well, outstanding. Yeah, some, uh, some good insight. Um, and... From my, from my experience, I think a, a routine, yes, there needs to be some flexibility and yes, information will come out of regimental headquarters from ops that are short notice and, and, that's, and that's never going to change and wisely that's that flexibility you talk about within your, within your instruction but I, I believe that a good, a good uh, set in stone routine from Monday to Friday that never changes, so soldiers always know, but also coupled with having your training program up weeks in advance will assist the soldiers having an understanding of you know what is happening in, in days to come so yeah well that's that's outstanding i will we'll crack on to question two uh, this is a this is a comment um and a complaint that i think has been around for some time uh, and it's a the common complaint is that junior ncos is that they don't feel empowered to lead or basically to do their job is this still a criticism and if it is how can we fix it yeah, so I personally don't think this is the case currently, well, in A Squadron anyway. Um, we're actually doing more to empower, uh, sorry, empower our junior NCOs, um, putting more responsibility on them, allowing them to have more input into the training programs and then holding them 100% responsible for the training outcome of it all. Yeah, what do you reckon, Wisey? Uh, the old adage of, like, uh, I guess we're sort of going on the whole micromanagement sort of side of it it i believe it doesn't have to be a thing if you don't let it if, if you if you don't let it be something if um if you're given clear intent um if you yeah if you've given sort of clear intent you should be able to run with it to achieve you know side end state and stuff like that but i think it comes down a lot to uh sort of the guy's personal experience as well as other uh, trust from from above is actually letting people run with it
Okay, so we had a discussion before the podcast started. It was all about allowing uh, our junior leaders to make mistakes. You know, allow them to make mistakes because we make we learn more from mistakes than we do from our successes. And it's about as a senior junior, as a senior corporal or a uh, a troop sergeant, troop platoon sergeant, whatever the case may be, and even up as far as the SSM, CSM, he's not. He's been slow to punish, but would be very swift to praise. Um, do you think that's a fair, a fair cop? Do you think that we need to mentor our junior leaders through uh, poor decision making? Oh, definitely, sir. Uh, if if we don't allow junior leaders to make mistakes, then when they start moving up to rank of sergeant and warrant officer, they're not going to know. Um, you know they're not they're not going to know that they've made any mistakes. They're going to think that they've done everything right, um, but really they've just been babied through their career by uh, people taking the responsibility off them. Uh, we we need to give junior NCOs the power, especially in um, Second Cavalry Regiment. We give our Bravos and Charlies the, the charge of millions of dollars worth of vehicle. They're responsible for those vehicles. They do all the maintenance. They do all the stores. They uh, provide their own training programs for their soldiers. I think we need to carry on doing that sort of stuff and not sort of just leading them where we want them to go. Okay. Yeah, good man. What do you think? Um, I think there's a wide range of factors that go into anyone making a decision or anyone making a mistake. And realistically, you know, we're all human beings and everyone will make a mistake and everyone will slip up eventually. And if it's, you know, it's not threatening major equipment through negligence or it's not life-threatening then let them make the mistake and then if they make it a second time then say something and be like look look, you've done this twice now that's not on I think I make mistakes you make mistakes if you learn from it then good keep making them so yeah agreed Tyrone yeah, so I'm going to use an example I, I had. So in my career, going back to when I was a corporal, the most enjoyable rank that I've had in the Army, easily. As a corporal, I was empowered, and I'm going to an overseas deployment here, in charge of two ASLABs and up to five PMVs with other call signs in the manoeuvre aspect. I was lucky enough to have uh, a lieutenant that allowed... There was no micromanagement. He trusted in my ability, my advice... And he set the left and right right of arc of where we could go, do things we could do, and let us do our job you know, on the ground because he trusted that our ability was going to keep everyone safe. We were going to pick the, select, uh, the correct routes to get into various positions. Um, and fortunately enough, throughout my career, I've worked under a lot of people that haven't micromanaged, and I think that's developed me now to where I am in my role as uh, the operations warrant officer. Um, the N2CAB is that, yeah, I still have NCOs under me, but I don't like to micromanage their their daily tasks. So I think you can get shaped very early on in who you're going to become as an NCO by the experiences you've had from uh, your supervisors. So that's, that's my point of view, um, and I'm, that's just a fortunate point of view from my perspective that I wasn't micromanaged and I allowed... Um, I was allowed to do my job and I had a lot of trust um, forced upon me to, to do my job as a junior NCO. And I think that's the exact same thing that I would put upon junior NCOs in the future, encourage them to, to, to lead, empower them to do their job because, I mean, they need to know how to step up to the next position as well and that's all about empowering them to do that. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, excellent. Um, a good answer. So I sort of linked to that. So when when leadership is mentioned in, mentioned in a military context, both internal and external, um, people's thoughts always or often tend to, to to stray straight to operations or, or war or warlike. I, on the other hand, believe that leadership in barracks is often more challenging and difficult. So. What are your thoughts, Sarge? Sir, I totally agree with that statement. Uh, in my opinion, um, leadership in warlike situations and on, on operations, they uh, generally take a mission focus. So a single mission that the, the battle group or the combat team is all fighting to achieve. Depending, it doesn't matter what your role is, you're all a assisting to achieve mission success. However, when you're in a barracks, in the barracks realm, you know, you've got, everything else that comes into play. You've got your soldiers' families, you've got key dates, you've got uh, your soldiers' social uh, side of the house, you have uh, task orders coming in left, right and centre, you have multiple exercises that you've got to prep and plan for, you've, you know, you, your stores requests have to be in for every exercise, 30 days out, you have to, there's just so much coming at your left, right and centre that it's, um, it's a lot more difficult than that single, almost a single track mission-focused world. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think operations are certainly more stressful. However, in barracks, we have a lot more competing priorities, uh, whether it being personal or even work. And we discussed that already with, you know, operations, so getting uh, short notice tasks, non-platform requests being pumped down to the squadrons. You know, things become very complex very quickly. Um, and it takes some good leadership to, to make sure that the, the, the unit, subunit, it tracks um, where they need to be. Ma'am, you got anything to add? Um, as far as things to add, uh, I don't really have a lot. So I didn't ask you, ticked off all the points um, that I was thinking. It's just, essentially, in field, everything's instinctive and it's immediate yep. and it's short term. It's, you know, you've got six hours to complete this task. But in barracks, you know, you've got so many other contributing factors and you're planning for three exercises at a time and then you've got all this other stuff. So I think, yeah, you Sarge, I think you hit it pretty much on the head for my thoughts. Yeah, what was he? I think just trying to um, keep it a little bit simple, trying not to overthink it. So leadership within the barracks is as simple as uh, the junior NCO providing the hopefully good example just by doing that. They're sort of leading their, their digs in the right way. Yeah. How do we do that? Setting a good example. Bingo. Well done, Wisey. It's almost <laughs> like I wrote that down for you, yeah. which I didn't. Yeah, yeah, great answer. Thanks, Wisey. So it brings me to our last question, and it's a mantra that I personally believe in. Uh, and is, um, you often hear the quote about being brilliant at the basics. And, and, and what, is this, what does this mean to you and how does it resonate? Now, prior to the podcast, just for our listeners, we had some, uh, some, some conversations and, and it it sort of it stood out that there's a bit of a misunderstanding of what that quote actually means, um, and we soon understood that it, it depends on what trade you do, what rank you are at. So what we'll do now, we'll just go around and, and we'll, we'll we'll get an indication of what that question means to to the group I have here. So, Maxie, do you want to? Uh, <clears throat> yes, yeah, sir. So, I I was before the podcast was one of those people that misinterpreted proper meaning of brilliant at the basics but after having a bit of a better understanding of it um, I believe it's being good and competent at um, the basic skill levels or 
um, specific jobs that once they're all combined, they make you who you are and a, uh, a good asset to your trade or a troop asset to your squadron or a squadron asset to your regiment. So You made a good, a good analogy before about the one percenters. Can you, can you elaborate? Yeah, yes. So I interpreted it originally as um, nailing the one percenters. So if you nail the one percenters such as um, your individual vehicle craft, your own navigation, your own personal admin, all those things, if you nail all those one percenters and there's a hundred of them, then you're succeeding and being awesome at your job. So I have a question for you because you are a troop sergeant. When in the field, uh, we're in a, a troop hide, what, what makes you do the right thing? What is it that tells you that you need someone on picket, you need someone, which sorry, you need everybody to have their shirts on, you know, to, to make sure that people are carrying their weapons, to make sure that you do those one percenters that are pertinent to your rank and trade? Because I got an angry SSM, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, but, um, probably because uh, it's, it's what needs to be done because there's no point training in the field and becoming, compl- oh, sorry, becoming complacent in the field only to take that complacency potentially into an operation. So let's, I know it's another throwaway line, we train how we fight, but it's 100% what we should be doing all the time. Yeah, what do you reckon, Sarge? You know, being, being Ramey, did you, do you see the same? Yeah, so um, from a Ramey's perspective, um, like the same with the conversation we had beforehand, um, brilliant at the basics to me sort of tells me as a fitter sergeant, um, if I'm brilliant at my job, my base role, if I know my role as a fitter sergeant, and that allows me to um, focus more on things like that I'm not brilliant at, sort of, as I was saying, an, AC, uh, an armoured crewman, for example. Um, if you know your own job well, um, it's going to impact more on the, the bigger picture sort of thing. And that even steps up into the, the squadron and the, the, uh, the regiment level, you know, having basic things like your standard operating procedures, um, your actions on if everyone nails those basic things then um, it's going to give everybody more clarity and a better gauge as to the success of of a particular mission set or something like that yeah something else we we spoke about just for our listeners benefits is is brilliant the basics right down to the basics so everyone being you know great at navigation first aid weapon handling you know, firing movement, and then progressing that, using that as a firm foundation as we make our way up. And that includes dress and bearing. That includes, you know, having frayed T-shirts, frayed slouch hats, berets, etc. They're the basics that we're talking about. There is no left and right of arc. It's a full 360. Uh, it talks about what it, basically what it needs, to, you need to be to be a soldier, and all those basics that encompass that. Is all, that's my interpretation. And if we get that right, then you know we should be able to go from here, step from here, step through our training continuum, and go on operations and do a great job. But it starts at the basics. Well, ladies and gents, thank you. Um, thanks for sharing our experience and thoughts on a number of issues and challenges facing junior leadership in, in, in your organisation. I'm sure that listeners will get and have got a great deal from our discussion today. Uh, to our audience, I value your feedback, positive or otherwise. And if you have any suggestions, please email me at leadership 
infocusaustralia at gmail.com, all lowercase. And feel free to, to follow me on uh, Twitter under Jason Moriarty. Again, thank you for tuning in uh, to our second podcast. Thank you.